Good morning, everyone. Lovely to have you in God's presence. I'm so glad you made it today. And God's got something very special he wants to share with each of you. And if you're here for the first time, it's not an accident. There's a reason God orchestrated that you be here this morning. Our service is live now, so <coughs> if you want to share from your Facebook or, or uh, it has been shared to my has been shared to mine and you can take it from mine if, if, if you're my friend. <laughs> Let's invite our speaker this morning. Father in heaven, from the time each one of these precious people were born, you knew them. You knew their heart, you knew their, their mind, you know their tough times, their hard times, their great times, their highs, their lows, their joys, their sorrows. Today some people are full of joys, today some people are full of sorrow and you know that. And you know exactly what to say to them and how to say it. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that you are intimately acquainted with our needs. And today, as we close this series on prayer, and we talk about praying for healing and restoration, would you speak into every single heart here? Whether they decide to do something about it or not, whether they believe it or not, whether they respond to it or not, that's between you and them, oh God. I'm asking you that you install your love and your grace into their hearts this morning. I'm asking you that you communicate to them with a beyond a shadow of a doubt so that when they leave here, they know for a fact that they have heard from you. Whether they have been cold to you or whether they have been warm for you, whether they've been a soul on fire or whether they have been running from you, no matter where we are in our journey and our belief and our faith in you, oh God, today would you speak? Because when your voice is heard, lives change. And that's what I'm banking on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. India is doing great. We are having a lot of success in a lot of places from a lot of angles. The economy is doing great in some places. The states, some states are doing great. Uh, but amidst all of that, there's still a lot of pain, a suffering, brokenness everywhere we look. Would you agree with me? We're living in a terrible time in history. You might say to me, no, no, no. It's always been terrible. There was always rapes. Men were always bad. True. You're absolutely right. But even more so today is the revelation to us through news, through secret cameras, through internet, through all sorts of ways, total you know, invasion of privacy. We know what people are thinking, what people are feeling, and what people are doing. And we live in a way, in a world, in a society that is broken. There is pain and suffering all around us, and there is brokenness across the board. Horrific videos. Every second day on Facebook, there's a horrific video. And they're sharing it like it's nobody's business. And it's horrific from people being washed down the street in, in water, the floods of Kerala, which you cannot control, all the way to horrific things that men and women are doing. Rape, violence, lynching, honor killing, polarization, religious and otherwise, political agendas, persecution, minorities, injustice, carelessness, absolute carelessness, callousness for the law, indiscipline, right, left, and center, every, every, every generation, suicides, uh, marriages falling apart, dreams, self-confidence, even personal brokenness, even our own personal, our, our, our personal lives, whether economic or emotional, there is a wreck in everyone's life and everyone's dealing with something. There is pain in everyone's life. And this morning we're talking about how to pray for healing and restoration. How do we pray for healing and restoration? I want us to listen very carefully. It is a longish sermon. I don't know what you're praying for. In some cases I do. I don't know what your dream is and what area of your life you need God to come through for you. But today God wants me to tell you and you are here to hear that. No matter how bad the situation might be, how far gone or how uncertain the situation might be, there is hope, there is healing, and there is restoration. Let's get started. 3,000 years ago, during the dedication of the temple, God made a promise to his people during that dedication. But it applies to God's people across the world, across time. Look at this beautiful verse. It says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, 
if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Let's do that again. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, this is what I'm going to do. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. A couple of things real quick. Number one, this is not a promise for everybody. This is not a promise for me. He says, if my people, if my people. So the question is, who is my people? Who are the people that God is saying are my people? When Jesus was walking the earth, some people said to him, uh, Jesus, excuse me, sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, your family is outside and they are calling on you. And Jesus says, who's my family? Who's my family? Read the verse, Matthew chapter 12. While Jesus was teaching the crowd, his mother and brothers waited nearby to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your family wants to talk to you. Jesus asked, who is my family? Then pointing to his followers, he said, these people are my family. Anybody who, say, say it with me, anybody who obeys my father in heaven and does his will is my brother and my sister and my mother. <coughs> these are my people. So if you are submitted to God's will, God's purposes in your life. If you are obedient to the will of God in your life, he's talking to you. That promise is for you. The second thing he says is those who are called by my name. Those who are called by my name. Those who are not ashamed to be known by my name. Those who are not ashamed to associate my name. Oftentimes we are embarrassed to be connected to Christ or to be uh, uh, ambassadors for Christ. We keep it quiet. We don't want anybody to know. We say my faith is a personal thing. Everybody is talking about their own thing and everybody's brave about everything else. But we pull back. We are, we are uncertain or, or, or we are cowardly when it comes to that. There are no secret agent Christians. There are no secret Christians. There are only Christians with secrets. Can I repeat that? There are no secret Christians. There are only Christians with secrets. And when you got secrets, it's probably why you want to keep your faith in God a secret. Everybody is bold today. Everybody's coming out. Everybody's putting out their belief and their opinion like as if it's the constitution. And here we are. They are boldly talking about what they're not certain about. We are cowardly about what we're absolutely certain about. We got to think through this. And the third thing is there is a promise but with a premise. There is a promise with a premise. If my people who are called by my name and then you see the conditions in the rest of this verse that are premises to the promise of God being fulfilled in your life. Let's look at that before we move forward. Okay? There are four conditions. Four conditions for healing. I'm sorry I can't move around today. So you're just going to have to stay put here. It's good for the camera. <laughs> Welcome all of those of you who are live with us. Uh, I'm glad that you are live with us. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Write to us. There are four conditions, and I don't know where you need to, you know, you need to, you want healing, whether it's in your body, whether it's in your emotions, whether it's mental health, or whether it's, it's relationships, I don't know where, uh, you know, and you're here, and your prayer is clear, but these are the four premises to the promise. Number one, admit I'm not in control, write it down, write it down, admit I'm not in control. That's the first condition. Admit I'm not in control. You don't have a steering wheel. You don't run this life. You don't run even run your life. You are not in control of the outcome, the, 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 the possibilities of your life. You are not in control. Admit that you are not in control. I'm not talking about anything and everything. I'm talking about the problem at hand. The problem. If my people will do what? Humble. Will humble themselves and pray. If my people will what? Humble themselves. Humble themselves. Interesting. Humility is the number one step to healing. Write it down. Take a note. Highlight it. Aspects it. Humility is the number one step to healing. Doctor is not the number one step to healing. Humility is. So I don't approach God arrogantly. I don't approach God proudly, flippantly, disrespectfully. Without faith. Without trust. Doubting God. Doubting His abilities. Coming to him as a like last shot, yeah, last shot, maybe, yeah, when the doctor gives up his, throws his hands up in the air, he says, now all you can do is pray. Don't make demands in prayers. God is not a genie. 
God is not a genie. You know the Bible never says anywhere, never says anywhere to pray to be humble. It doesn't say pray for humility. It just says be humble. Why? Because it's a choice. It's a choice. You can choose to be humble or you can choose to not be humble. Humility is a choice. What is humility? How do we show it? Okay, I'm going to skip a few things here because I want to save time. And then I'll send, I'll send 12 tips to you on humility through the week on the WhatsApp group. If you're not getting my WhatsApp devotions every day, it's because you haven't added me to your contact base and you uh, are a terrible person. <laughs> okay, but humility is a big deal. I'm going to make a big deal of it. I'm going to make a point of it. Humility. It's the attitude. It's the attitude. God loves humility. And you know something? There are some things in the Bible that says that God hates. God hates that. He lists those things that he hates. He uses the word abhors, which is worse than hates. And one of those things, one of the many things that God hates, same statement in the Bible, is the proud look. Not even pride, the proud look. You know when you've been lemonized? And people just, just, just absolutely, you know, the pride is just oozing, leaking, just dripping through like sweat. Either they just, I don't know what, either they got fresh petrol, or I don't know what, they, but something just, uh, and, and the way they walk, just pride goes before them. <laughs> the Bible says God even hates a proud look because God can't be fooled with the problem. That stiff upper lip, it's in the Psalms. It's in the Proverbs. That stiff upper lip, that mold in the air. God does not like pride. But, but here's the point. God loves humility. He goes out of his way for humility. God wants to see humility. He wants to exalt humility. He, there are so many promises in the Bible that if a person is humble, this is what he does. Let me give you a few. Now, this is what God does with and responds to those who have a humble heart. Number one, he says, if I am humble, God will guide me. If I'm humble, God will guide me. Psalm 25 says, God leads the humble. Underline that. God leads. That means there are people who God does not lead. And there are people who God leads. Take a guess who he leads. The humble. God leads the humble. How? Where? In the right way. And he teaches them his will. Teaching is a skill. Teaching takes patience. Teaching has to be repeated. You Only if you love a person will you be, be willing to really teach that person. There's a relationship there, and he, says, he teaches him his will. He lets him know how to move, how to go, how to. He says, if I'm humble, God will guide me. Number two, if I'm humble, God will bless me. God will bless me. Isaiah 66 says, I will bless those who are humble and contrite in heart. I will bless those who are humble and contrite in heart. Contrite means broken. Broken is not sad, broken, but not hard towards God, not standing towards God. Contrite is that kind of broken. Number three, if I'm humble, God will give me the power to change. Underline power or subtle power. Because number four is the same as number three. If I'm humble, God will give me the power to change. But subtle power. The word is grace enabling. <clears throat> Write it down and listen to me. The word is grace enabling. Look at James chapter 4 verse 6. It says, God opposes the proud. My goodness. God opposes the proud. But, there's a conjunction there. He gives grace to the humble. When he says he gives grace, what does he mean by he gives grace? Because in this context, the meaning of the word grace, and there's four or five different meanings here. The word grace is, is enabling power. From deep within you, a capsule is broken open because of the presence of the, God, of the Spirit of God in your life and the, and the Spirit of God gives you an enabling power from within to be able to restrict, to be able to hold, to be able to self-control, uh, have self-control, to be able to respond to the different situations and stimuli around you, stimulus around you. Are you with me? There is an enabling. You're like, how was I able to do that? How did I do that? He says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. This is what's happening. Whenever you are working against God in terms of pride, whenever you are prideful, He becomes your opposition. He becomes your opposition. We all know in India what an opposition does. Yeah, He becomes your opposition. It becomes His life goal to make sure that you don't win. And you don't get anything, you don't get any one step further than you were before. However, but 
If you are humble, he gives grace. That means not only does he not oppose, he gets on your ship and he gives you momentum. He drives you through any problem, drives you through a wall, drives you through a valley. He takes you places you could never get on your own. Subtle power. But do the same thing again. Number four, he says, if I'm humble, God will give me power to change. Subtle change. Because he's taking you from what you are to some, something else, to another place. There is no valley experience, no, no uh, pain, no suffering that you could ever face that God cannot get you through. That God cannot get you through. What is happening in your life, the pain and suffering, the difficult times, the difficult people, the, the money situations, the lack of uh, certainty or, or open doors, whatever. I don't know what is going on in your life. It may not even be happening right now, but you might need this message one year from today. I don't know, whatever is happening in your life, God did not plan that. He did not give that to you. That was not His will. People take life into their own hands. People take power into their own hands and they make decisions based on free will. We talked about this two weeks ago. But we have to live with the decisions that they make. And when they make decisions and things happen in the world that are not okay, not easy to handle, God gives us the strength to go through that. He gives us the courage to go through that. He gives us the power to change. Jesus says, take my yoke, I give you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble, and I will, underline this, it's beautiful, and I will restore deep rest in your soul. I will restore deep rest in your soul. Has there been a storm? Has there been a fire? Has there been chaos in your heart and mind? God is able to speak peace into your soul and restore deep rest. So that's how God responds to people who are humble. That's how God responds to humility. He loves humility. He just gets behind humility and he promotes it. He rewards humility. So number one, you admit you're out of control. You're out of control. You cannot do that. Okay. Number two is ask God for help. Ask God for help. First one is admit, the second one is ask. He says, if my people would do what? We pray. If my people humble, so humble themselves and pray. When you humble yourself, what do you do? You don't go out partying, you pray. And what is prayer? Talking to God. Prayer is talking to God. You don't say a prayer, we talked about this last week. You pray, you talk to God. You get talking to God. You're not waiting on God, God's waiting on you. He's been waiting to hear from you. You're going through a difficult time? Talk to me about it. She hurt you? Talk to me about it. He was mean to you? Talk to me about it. You're out of control? Talk to me about it. Let's talk. Let's talk. If there's anybody who knows what's going on and can help you, it's me. Talk to me. Ask God for help. Humility tells me, it informs me, it pushes me to God to say, oh, oh God, please help. It needs to go from a, from a, Expletive, oh God, oh my God. It needs to move from there to, oh my God, oh Lord. You aren't waiting on God, God's waiting on you. For many, many years, for many years for some of you, he's been waiting for you to talk to him. And he's still waiting. So how do you do it? Here's five tips on how to pray. How to pray for healing. Five tips, simple things, simple practical ways you can get moving. But this is this is what's going to make a huge change in your life when you put this into effect. Let me take you to John chapter 16. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. It doesn't mean everything else he was saying was a lie. But if he says that, he says, make sure you listen to this. This is, this is life changing. He says, I tell you the truth. My father, he's talking about God in heaven, will give you anything you ask for in my name will give you anything you ask for in my name. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you receive. Why? So that your joy will be the fullest possible joy. This is not joy in terms of life is great. This is joy in terms of life is hard, but in the middle of all of that, God gives you a deep sense of calm and peace and joy that you know that everything is still under control. I tell you the truth, my father will give, you, uh, will give you anything you ask for in my name. 
Remember a couple things. Number one, remember Jesus wants you to ask. Jesus wants you to ask. This is not your idea. Prayer is not your idea. It's his idea. He started it. He's the one who created you with the will. He's the one who created you with the, with the ability to communicate. <coughs> so he's the one who asks you. It's his idea. Why? Why did God create prayer? Why did God create prayer? Why did God create a situation where a conversation is happening and he says, come pray to me, ask me. You're saying, you should already know. You are God. I told everybody, God only knows. So you should know. Why should I have to tell God if he doesn't already know? Because that's how we judge everybody's love, right? If you love me, you should have known. You would have known. You would have known how I'm feeling. You would have known my body. You would have known. You would have known. Jesus says, ask. Jesus says, pray. You know why? It's developed in the family, it's developed in parental relationship with children. The six month old cries and he gets milked. The two or three year old cries and gets picked up. The four year old asks for a lollipop, gets a lollipop. The seven, eight year old asks that, that daddy can have a bicycle and daddy gives a bicycle. Can I go out and play? Yes, and go And there's this give and take, there's this relationship. And as the child looks to the father, runs to the father, runs to the mother, runs to the father, runs to the mother, can I have, can I need this, and they see that as every time I ask, this man, amidst all the other men in this world, this man answers my prayer. He answers my request. This woman, she answers me, she cares for me, she consistently responds to my needs, my prayers. So I build my trust on the one who not only hears me, but also answers me. And the one who answers me the most is the one I trust the most. Jesus is praying. Ask me. Ask me. And all he wants is for you to grow in your trust and dependence on him. So that every perfect gift that the Father has in store for you may be yours in Christ's name. Ask God for help. Ask God for help. Number one, Jesus says Jesus is the one who gave you that idea. Number two, he's asking Jesus' name. Ask him Jesus' name. That's the basis on which you come. That name has been given to you as the, as the entry point, as the key into heaven, to the very throne of God. You say that name, you've got access straight to the holiest of holies. You say, but Pastor Jerry, I, that's me by the way for newcomers. You say, Pastor Jerry, I don't always get everything I pray for. You're right, you're right. Look carefully, it doesn't say, the Father, my Father will give you everything. He says, you can ask anything. <laughs> English comprehension. <laughs> you can ask anything. What does that mean? Let me give you a couple of slants on this one. That means there is nothing you can think of that you can't bring to him. There is nothing that you cannot pray about. You can ask for anything. I won't give it to you necessarily. Because I will judge my wisdom, my understanding, my love for you, my foreknowledge, my insight, my uh, my sovereignty, my omnipotence. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to judge everything what's best for you, and based on my judgment, I'll give it to you. And the more and more you fall in line with with my willingness to give you the best of the best, you will begin to ask for the right things, and more and more you find me that my giving you what I want for you. So he says he doesn't say ask in anything and everything he'll give you. He says you can ask anything. When it comes to prayer, there's no bounds. There's no limits. You can ask absolutely anything. That's more. That's more. So you go ahead and you ask. And God will sort out whether it fits into his plan or not. Whether it fits into his plan. Here's a couple of tips in the next sentence. James chapter 5. He says, is anyone of you in trouble? You should pray. Is anyone unhappy or happy? Let him sing songs of praise. If anyone is sick, let him call the elders of the church. To pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. A prayer offered in faith, a prayer offered in faith, will make the sick person well. Will make the sick person well. If he has sinned, even that would be forgiven. Number three, get other people to pray with you. Get other people to pray with you. If it's not the elders of the church, call anyone. That's why we wanted to want you in a small group. Yesterday was beautiful. We had groups of men 
in, in circles over here, all sharing with one another, praying with one another, strengthening one another, all understanding how life is tough and what it's what it's like to, to be disciplined, what it's like to deal with delays, what it's like to deal with discomfort, and we've been sharing that. It's been, it's been amazing. It's been absolutely amazing. 32 guys are right over here praying. And when we get together, we pray for it. The youth were in that room. The youth were in that room. They were praying together. Some, some of the uh, women's ladies groups have been meeting across the city, and they've been praying. They've gotten to a place of tremendous uh, openness and confession and, and transparency. Trust is building as, they, as they've been praying together. He says, when you get together and pray for each other, pray for each other, healing happens. Matthew chapter 18, look at the screen. It says, I tell you that if two or three of you gather together, you ask anything, it will be done for you by my Father. So there is a certain power of agreeing on something. Agreeing on something. There's good accountability there. Because all alone, I'm asking God, I'm asking God, I'm asking God, I'm asking God, He's giving, not giving, giving, not giving, and I have my little thing. But when there's other people involved in my spiritual life, they begin to see how I pray, and I begin to hear how they pray. And I begin to learn what I ought to pray for. What I ought to pray for. Number four, believe and expect an answer. Prayer offered in faith. Number five, keep on praying until God tells you to stop. Keep on praying until God tells you to stop. Okay? Look at the tenacity in this verse. As Paul talks to the Ephesian church in verse chapter 6 of verse 18 of Ephesians, he says, pray in the spirit at all times with all kinds of prayers, asking for all your needs. To do this, you must always be ready and never give up. Always pray for all God's people. Are you getting this? There's a tenacity there. Don't leave anything out. Don't leave anything out. Pray, pray, pray. Pray. Number three. What is number one? Admit. Number two? Ask. Number three? Seek. Seek God. Not a miracle. Seek God. Not a miracle. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where it gets personal. Seek God, not a miracle. Let's go over that verse again. If my people will humble themselves, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face. Seek my face. Can you explain to me what the face is all about? When I speak to you, I don't talk to your tummy. I don't talk to your arm. I talk to your face. iPhone 10. It's face recognition. Because your face is your identity. And God says, seek my face. That means, seek me. Me. Not the miracle. Me. Come on, people. You should understand this. Girls, he doesn't really want me, he, just, he doesn't really want me, he just wants you. He doesn't really want me. Come on, you know it. Men are saying, oh, they just want my money. They just, they just want to use me, they just want my, my power and influence. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't have any power and influence. You know how it feels. And it's not about feeling bad. This is about understanding that a relationship, a relationship and resources are two separate things. A relationship and resources are two separate things. And when you love me for who I am, when you seek me for who I am, then can the relationship be really, really... You want to marry a person who's not marrying you for your money, marrying you for your connections, marrying you for your looks. You want somebody who marries you for you. What does that even mean? But you still know the meaning. You know the meaning. Deep in your heart, you know the meaning. You want someone to pray. God, God, God Almighty is saying, if you humble yourself and you seek me, if you come into a relationship with me, if this is about you and me, if you and I are together, if you and I are okay, then ask what you will, I'll do it for you. Do you get that? 
Do you get that? This is about God Almighty having created you for, for a relationship with Him, not being in a relationship with Him, heartbroken because you're far away from Him, begging you and allowing every difficult time in your life to draw you back to Him so that you say, come on, seek me, come on, seek me. Isn't it hard enough? Come on, turn to me. Come on, pray. Come on, seek me. Seek God, not a miracle. If my people, if my people seek my face, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Not his blessings, not his mere blessing. Lord, whether this healing happens or not. Lord, whether you provide or not. Lord, whether you open this door or not. Lord, I want you. I want you in my life. I want you in my life. I want you in every part of my life. More than what you can give to those parts of my life. More than a job, more than a spouse, more than strength, more than looks, more than resources. I want you because if I have your resources, they will finish. If I have your, your, your opportunities, they will finish. If I have blessings, even blessings will finish. But if I have you, I will have no end of anything else. Do you get that? Do you get that? Everything else comes to an end. But God goes on and on and on. He says, I am your exceedingly great reward. Me. I'm what you really need. Because I created you as an extension and an accomplishment and a, and a complement of me. And that's not even a word. To complement me, I've created you to be the other end so that you may enjoy me. Seek me. Seek me. Why does God allow difficult times in your life? You think he's having fun? Do you think he's having a great time? Do you think he's reporting and Instagramming all the nonsense that's happening in your life? See, ah, I see what's going on there. Do you think it doesn't hurt him to see the devastation in Syria and every other place? When a little boy is set half on fire and bashed up and thrown in the dump, where he has to be rescued and has to be brought to the hospital, do you think that God looks on that and it doesn't burn his heart? Why does God allow for you, for your wife, for your family, for your, for your loved ones, for, why does he allow you to go through difficult times? So that you may come to understand as you come running to him that he and not what he gives is what you really need. But apparently it's not what you really want. Seek God, not the miracle. He says, I love those who love me and those who seek me, they will find me. Hebrews 11 says, God rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Not a, not a casual, you know, pastime. Oh, you know, I didn't have anything to do, so I listened to a sermon, you know. Oh, I didn't. Uh, it's good, I'm free, I'm free to speak. Actually, we should go to church. I don't know. It's serious pursuit, primary focus, one ambition. Psalm 14, verse 2. The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire race. He looks to see if there's anyone, even one, anybody who has real understanding, who seeks after God. And that passage goes on to say, no, he doesn't. He doesn't see anybody. The truth is very few people really seriously seek after knowing God. And you, you can't imagine the tough times people are going through. And yet, the heart is so hardened that they won't come running back to the one who created them. They'd rather be religious than relational in that moment. But God goes overboard. He goes overboard to put himself in front of somebody who's seeking him. Truly. If you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. If you look with, for him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have happened to you, you will return to the Lord your God and obey him. For he is merciful. He will not abandon or destroy you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Number one is what you do. You admit you are not in control. Number two, you ask God. On every matter you ask God. You develop a, a, an asking, an application. You develop a relationship that is dependent on it. Number three, what is number three? You seek Him. Not what He has, but you seek Him. Not the miracle, but you seek Him. And number four, turn. You turn your attention from the world to the Word. You turn your attention from the world to the Word. That verse says, and turn from their wicked ways. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. They turn from their wicked ways. What does that mean? What does that even mean? We're coming close to the end, so don't give up on me. Let me explain two words. We must explain these two words before we move on. Wickedness and turn. Wickedness and turn. 
and I'm just using small, small sins. You put the real stuff in there. Because my job is not to convict you. My job is to love you back into the family. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, Therefore confess your sins. That's what, that's the reason. Therefore confess your sins to each other. In our church, we are not, our theology teaches that every single one of us is a priest. That means each one of us is a, is a pathway. Each one of us, I can lead you to God, you can lead me to God. I can, I, you can confess your sin to me and I can pronounce absolution on you, you can pronounce absolution on me. When we have communion, I can tell you your sins are forgiven, you can tell me my sins are forgiven. God has given that to the whole family. We are sons. We are God's family. So he says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Interesting. Actually, it should be confess your sins to one so that you may be forgiven, correct? But it says so that you may be healed. Ooh, a bit of theology there. Calls for a bit of theology. Pastor, are you saying that my sickness is because of some sin? My suffering is because of some sin? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying your healing hasn't come because of some sin. The healing is not coming because of some sin. The joy is not coming. The release is not coming because of some sin. The emancipation, the liberty, the, the, the setting you free, the bondage breaking is not coming because of some sin. Because you are still harboring certain sinfulness in your life, a lifestyle, a priority, anything that is up against God. That's why God is not able to come in and heal. Because he says, if my people will humble themselves, if they will pray, if they will turn from their wicked ways, I will, I will, I will. That's why we want you in a small group. That's why we want people praying together. That's why we want people to, 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 to live off each other's transparency in God. Join a small group. Same, two or three ladies, four ladies, not more than that. And keep it same so that you can develop and build up that transparency, that dependence, that, that openness, that genuineness, authenticity. Keep it real. So the first step to any kind of healing and recovery is humble confession. Humble confession. Because sin is not the reason for your suffering, but sin is what is keeping your healing from coming. Prayer is the pathway or it's the path back to your comeback. And Jesus, God says three things, three, four promises. Number one, he says, I will hear from heaven. We have a year in heaven. We have a year in heaven. I will hear from heaven. Not from Rajput, uh, from the Rashtrapati Bhavan. Not from the Parliament House. Not from Buckingham Palace. Not from the other side of the globe. But I will hear from heaven. What's he talking about? What is heaven? It's the throne of God. It's the courtroom of God. It's the corridors of power in the heavenly places. It's the place where God can just click his fingers and make it happen for you. I will hear from heaven. Number two, I will forgive your sins. I will forgive your sins. And I will, number three, heal your land. I will heal your land. What is your land? What is your land? Don't say my God. What is your land? The land is, the, is where you bear fruit from. The land is your cultivation. The land is your, your hard work. It's the blood, sweat and tears. It's, the, it's your career. It's your colleagues. It's your difficult times. It's the long hours. It's the, it's the, the hard relationships. It's the competition. It's the weather. It's the barrenness. Are you with me? I will heal your land. When you heal land, when land is not bearing fruit, when you heal a relationship when the relationship is not bearing fruit, when you heal a, a, a career when the career is not bearing fruit, God is saying to you, I will heal. I will heal your land. But you've got to admit that takes humility. You've got to ask in faith. You've got to seek God's face. You've got to turn from your ways. With every end bowed and every eye closed. There's some of you who want that healing and you want restoration, you want God's peace, you want God's comfort and you're absolutely right about it and God absolutely wants to give it to you. But here's the deal. If you're not in a personal relationship with God, then God opposes the power and He gives grace to the humble. 
you still think you are in control of your life and you are not handed that control over to God, then you are in opposition to God. Anything you say and do that does not involve God totally ruling your life is a position of opposition, not a position of humility. So the step number one is humility. And God just is all out to reward humility. My dear brothers and sisters, my friends, if you are in this place, and I am not judging you, but if your heart is judging you, and you know in your heart that you have not been humble before God, just, just say sorry to God right now. In your own heart, say sorry to God. Tell Him, Lord, I, you know me, you know what I have said to you, you know how I have behaved. If, if, if your heart is telling you, I'm one of those wicked people because I've actually forgotten God. I've walked away from Him. It's been so long I've decided that He does not exist. In my five inch wide mind, four feet, five feet, six feet tall, on a globe that's spinning faster than I can hold it, with seven billion other people, I have decided in my sovereignty that you do or do not exist. God, I've been wrong about that. That was a prideful attitude. I turn from that today. Some of you are right with God or whatever the situation is, you are saying, Lord, I need your healing. I need you to come through for me. Let me pray for you. Father God, this is your house. This is your family. And it is the name of Jesus that is exalted in this place. And where the presence of the Lord is, there is healing. Where the presence of the Lord is, there is liberty. No weapon formed against you can prosper. Satan has no authority in this place. No authority. This habitation was fashioned for the Lord's presence. No authority here. Some of us are men. And we are just too self-made to want to partner with anybody legal on you. Some of us have held you responsible for the nonsense and the difficulties and the pain in our lives. And therefore we want to run from you rather run to you. Because we feel you are responsible. You made it happen. You could have stopped it, God, but you didn't. You gave me this. Oh God, we're sorry if we said it that way, thought that, felt that. And I pray that no matter where we're at, as you soften the hearts of every man and woman here, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, what they do to you and how they respond to your word in between them and you, Lord, you take care of it. I ask you, because I'm sure of your word, and I believe you, and I trust you. All my life you've been faithful to me. Lord, I ask you to release healing into this place right now. Healing over AIDS. Dismiss it with your power. Healing over cancer, dismiss it with your power right now. Healing over heart disease, dismiss it with your power, I pray. Spirit of the living God, show even the most hard-hearted or the most cynical that in your sleep you are more in control of their lives than they are at their best. Oh God, would you prove your power, show your power, oh God. Allow us to believe in you, not because you are powerful and we are not, but because you are prayer hearing and prayer answering God and that you listen to our little prayers and that you answer us. We humble ourselves before you, not just in posture, but in attitude. Lord, there has been nonsense in our lives. We have allowed our eyes to see things we shouldn't see. We have allowed our hands to touch what we shouldn't touch. Oh God, we have been sinful. There is sin in our life. You wiped our sin clean on the cross. We know that. We know that our, our death is paid. But because we're not willing to let go, you're not able to heal. We recognize that today, oh God. And we ask you, we beg you, we urge you to come into our lives, into our families. And whatever pain, suffering, hurt, need, dryness, barrenness, brokenness, whatever you see, oh God, in your compassion will be healed. I beg you, Lord, I pray, I ask you this day, would you heal? Prove to your people you're not dead. Prove that you're real. Prove that you're not a religion, that you're a real God. Prove that every pain in this world is affecting you 
and you can't wait to come and make it okay. Prove to these people sitting right here that they are in the presence of the Most High God. Lord, I pray for healing. For the soul, for the heart that is hurting, oh God, from, from grief of death, grief of broken relationships, from mental illness, voices in the head, evil spirits around, disturbances psychological and emotional. All of these things that your precious people are experiencing. Lord Jesus, in your name, you said, ask anything, I'm asking. In the name of Jesus, would you release me? Shackled by a heavy burden the Lord of sin and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me and now I am no longer the same. He touched me. Oh, my soul every day. Something happened and now I know He touched me and made me whole. In the name of Jesus, release restoration healing. Because we pray in the name you've given to us and we believe it. <laughs>